Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome everybody, Friday edition of the Two Guys at a Mike Show, the coach of the big dog coming at you as we do each and every day, Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock in the morning, up until 11, of course, on the other side of the glass, helping us along on this 57 minute and 32 seconds, but who's counting journey? Producer extraordinaire David Olson will be taking your questions, your thoughts, and uh, occasionally throwing a few of our comments and enjoy the always outstanding talk zone musical entourage. All right, David Olson, keep an eye on that volume button. My voice is back to, uh, I would say, at the doctor looked at it. Uh, we're working at about 89%. Now, we're almost fully back, but I'm still not going to exert too much. 888-463-6748. That is the phone number. Big Memorial Weekend of Sports Action coming up. Of course, we'll recap some of yesterday's sporting events as well here in the city of Chicago. A little bit of uh, depression. It's, it's what is it? Would it be part depression, part frustration, part anger. I don't know if we split those up in fractions. Probably, probably frustration and anger. I would say a higher percentage than depression right now. As the Chicago Bulls end what was uh, certainly an outstanding season when you look at it in toto, but uh, certainly after leading most of the game yesterday, looking like they were in complete control of the game, and then all of a sudden in the last four minutes things go kaput in the worst possible way. The Miami Heat knock off the Bull 83-80. to We saw the uh, wonderful histronics of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and company down the stretch, and the Bulls go down to defeat. So, um, yeah, if I had to break it into fractions, I, I think it's anger, probably a higher percentage, frustration, then next highest, and then depression would be the lowest. I think maybe as time moves on a little bit, uh, you know, depression will kick in. But I think right now people are frustrated and angry. Not all Bulls and Heat talk. We got a lot of baseball to talk about as well. Both our Chicago teams victorious yesterday. Some big uh, weekend rivalries coming up. We'll do a little baseball round them up, wrap them up. We got what the French Open going on. And David Olson, I know we inquired earlier in the week as to having a talk zone representative down there, and I think the answer was no. Is that confirmed that we have nobody covering the tournament? No! I think that about sums it up, Coach. Oh, goodness, Big Dog. A simple little no would have, would have sufficed. But uh, and then, the, big, the voice of the Big Dog as we welcome him in. We gave you a homework assignment yesterday. You said you wouldn't be able to do it, but I have confidence in you. You will be. I'm going to put the pressure on you. You will tell us who to watch out for in the Indy 500, the 100th anniversary, Big Dog, of arguably one of sports' greatest events. Very ar- ar- very it, arguably, by the way. It's definitely arguably. But, uh, <laughs> <coughs> How are you, Big Dog? It's a pretty cool event. I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm going to be working Sunday, hopefully, so I won't be able to watch it. But Would you, uh, would you agree with me after watching the game? Uh, frustration and anger are the two most emotions. Depression will come a little bit later when I talk our Chicago Bulls. Well, I woke up this morning, and it wasn't the first thing I thought about. And then I, I walk into the living room, and I, you know, I see the, the mess on the table. I was like, oh, the Bulls game last night. Oh, boy. They had depression. And uh, you know, I, I really can't be angry because the person that I would be angry at 
be Tom Thibodeau, but then mm-hmm. again, he did such a phenomenal year coach, yes. such a phenomenal year coaching. Well, you know, it's like getting mad at Walter Payton because he fumbled in a playoff game. You know what I mean? It's like stuff like that happens. I just why didn't they just they ran out of gas again last night and they played way too much. They needed a little bit more of a rest and just finish off a game, twelve point lead, under four minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really felt comfortable. And I was just comfortable, but I was like, all right, you know, this is they can finish this one off. And next thing I know, and, and I was gonna, I tweeted about it last night. All I can tell you this is Carlos Boozer is a piece of garbage. <laughs> okay, let's 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 just get that straight out. First and foremost, I don't I don't know what the most important one is here. To be honest with you, losing the game is the most important one. But just as a Bulls fan. To act that way, to act like such a chump and throw an elbow in the LeBron James face as he's driving to the hole. Oh, let me see. Bulls dominating up to that point. Hmm. Heat dominates since that point. Why do you wake up a sleeping giant, coach? Incidental contact. Play on. Oh, yeah, yeah. It definitely was. <laughs> I, was I was like, wow, what a, what a coincidence. Oh, this goodness. elbow lands right on LeBron James' mouth. Yeah. You know, Carlos Boozer, um, you know, I don't know. That was a bad foul, no question about it. I don't think he's a bad guy, but I will tell you this. After watching him play, after watching him, I'm not going to go that far either. I think he's actually a pretty cool guy. But after watching him play big dog, he is not a good player. I mean, the guy cannot finish. He has no explosion near the back basket. He is very, very weak. All he does is fall away jump shots. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and again, you know, if he's your eighth or ninth best player, a big man coming off the bench, he does a pretty good defensive rebounder. I will give so, him that. He, I, I would. I, I oh, think yeah. he just ends up. Everybody else boxed out, and the ball goes to him. I, I, you, you get upset about the fact that supposedly they hand out assists too easily in the NBA, yeah. according to you. That yeah. well. You know what? If everybody's got a body and Carlos Boozer isn't touching it in the body okay. and the ball lands right in his hand, right. I don't see that as being a good defensive rebound. Right. You, you got a point. I think he's a little bit better than that. But he is, uh, boy, just not a good offensive player. I didn't watch enough Utah games in previous years, Big though. I don't know if he's lost the explosion, if he always played like this. But the guy cannot power step and go up. He gets stripped every time. Even when he gets fouled, you know, God forbid you actually make a basket and go for a three-pointer, fall away jump shots, he's just a very poor Poor offensive play. He had the weakest, you know, one game he had, what, 26 points and 17 rebounds, and I swear it was an average game at best despite the numbers. Yes, I totally understand what you're saying with that, Coach. When he was signed by the Bulls, because I'm a huge Darren Williams fan, you know, I told you immediately, I'm like, the guy isn't worth this type of money, Coach. But I didn't know he was bad, okay? I really didn't know he was a bad NBA player. He's Alfonso Soriano. Mm -hmm. Because Alfonso Soriano, yes, he hit the home run, you know, once a week. You know, you know, because he'll end up with 25, 26 when the season's over with. Yep. But it's just like the fadeaway jump shot. Yeah, Carlos Boozer hits a couple of them. You're like, yeah, what a shot. What about the eight that he missed in the middle of the game? Mm-hmm. And that gave your gave the other team a long rebound and it put your team in a horrible uh, situation. But the decision to do a classless act and wake up the heat, it was it – was, you know, for some reason, I can kind of deal with bad play. We knew what we were getting when they signed him. You know, they, you knew you were going to take a guy that's going to take a bunch of bad shots and be questionably defensively. But the, so I mean, I, I don't want to be the Pistons. I don't want to be the Knicks. Okay, coach, I don't want to be that team. I, I want to be the team that goes out there and wins the right way, not throwing elbows in people's faces. No I question about eighteen to three. That the uh, ignition, the igniting you're talking about, was an eight. 
fifteen to three fourth quarter run by the Miami Heat, uh, certainly ignited in part by that hard fall. LeBron makes their actually I think he made one free throw, missed it, but you're right, it woke up the sleeping giant. The Heat came uh-huh. alive. The Dwayne Wade shot where he was defended, questionable foul, but either way, that three point shot was absolutely incredible, big dog. That was right. That was the next possession afterwards. I mean, that was a hand in his face. Absolutely an amazing shot. That was a poor foul call. But either way, the three-pointer was sensational. I commented, you said, what, with about four minutes left is when it all started falling apart. I told my uh, son, Dave, we're watching the game. I said, two more coming out of the timeout. Two baskets. Two more baskets, and I think we can win this game. Maybe there was like three minutes and 30 seconds left. Two more baskets, and sure enough, we only got one. It was a sensational one, the spinning in the paint basket by Derrick Rose, the rest of his last four minutes was brutal. That play in particular was great, but we could only score one. We needed one more basket in that final three minutes thirty seconds. There was also a missed free throw by Derrick Rose, and Ouch. I would only, big one. I would, you know, I would only say that was had to have been from exhaustion. That was big. Miss. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's hard to shoot free throws when you've totaled about ten billion minutes in this yep. playoff series already. Well, and well, uh, not, not that it's an excuse. You got to hit those, but. Uh, Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller and Steve Kerr had it right the time to sit Derrick Rose and rest him, and not just rest him, by the way. As shocking as this may come, and Big Doug, you agree with me in part, a lot of times when C.J. Watson comes in and Rose is off the floor, the Bulls actually get better shots. Yeah. They get better reason, shots. So they, they don't stand around and watch yes. the point guard. So in part, it's to rest Rose, in part, you know, but they had an 11-point lead, a couple of minutes left in the third quarter. That was the time to do it. Yes, you need it. And right when they were saying that, Coach, I'm like jumping up, and I'm like, I, I hope Coach is listening to this because this is exactly what they're exactly right. And no, he didn't. He stays yeah. out there and stays out there and stays out there. Yeah. All of a sudden, the game has to be closed out, and he's slumped over, exhausted. Yeah. Nothing nothing makes a coward, and I'm saying Derek Rhodes is a coward. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes a coward of a man more than exhaustion. Yep. Fatigue makes a coward of us all. Who, it was a great quote. Who said that quote? Was it um, Chris so Whitting? Or? That, that, that was that was either um, the chick that starred with Robin Williams and Mork and Mindy, <laughs> or was Dwight Pam, Pam Dauber. Sure. I think yeah, it was. Dauber. It was either her or, or Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yeah, I think it was Pam Dauber, Dwight D. Eisenhower. It might have been our uh, general manager, the commander in chief, Chris Whitting. One of those three. Not sure. Wow, and, and you know he was totally out of breath when he said it, Chris Whitting. Well, that's because he was looking at a picture of Pam Dauber. What the connection does? Oh. Which is yeah. But then he looked at the picture of Dwight Diaz. Now already got his breath back. All right, uh, all right. Couple. I'm going to give you a couple of coaches, little inside that you're not, you're not hearing from any of the other experts out here. But two miscues again from the Chicago Bulls. You remember last game? I pointed out the fact that with eight seconds left, instead of isolating Derrick Rose, or the isolating wasn't the problem. Talking about game four, the problem was waiting. Seven, six, five, four. All right, with three seconds, he makes his move because you want to get that shot up to the backboard so you can get some offensive rebounding. Yesterday, uh, they fouled Bosch as they had to. 16 seconds left. Bosch makes both free throws. They're up three. And I know we don't have a timeout, but the players need to know, and Tom Thibodeau needs to. I mean, they should have known by this time after playing 82 games, however many playoff games, you don't have to have a three pointer right there. If you play. For the obvious three, you're dead meat. Attack the basket and either take the quick two, big dog, or if they collapse on you, we'll take the kick out for a three. But you got to attack the glass and get the quick two and make them hit two more free throws. There wasn't eight seconds left. There was 16 seconds left. We walked it up the floor looking for a three-pointer, and, of course, yeah, um, yeah that was yeah, – But that, yeah. that's a major strategical miscue in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you try – 
for you want to get that three point attempt. But you're, well. you you got to figure out a way to get the three point attempt. And since the game isn't going to be mm-hmm. over if you hurry up the floor, you might as well try a drive and kick. Yeah. If the and if the kick ain't there, okay, well then make it a one point game. Exactly. These heat players who are great athletes but not great free throw shooters to win the game at the foul line. Yep. Foul line. Absolutely. So that's that's the exact uh, strategy that needed to be done. You needed mm-hmm. to get as many possessions as you possibly could. It didn't have to be a chunk of a three. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the other thing was uh, when they came out of a timeout right before the fouling of Bosch, it might have been around 40 seconds left. You'll remember this play where they came out of the timeout, Kurt, and, and the Bulls are on defense. By the way, Kurt Thomas the played, heat, some, played yeah. some nice minutes yesterday, didn't he? Well, he did. Kurt Thomas plays very well, and I, and I like old man Thomas. Good man, good dude. He can play a little bit, stop and pop, hit the uh, little 10-footer. But they came out of the timeout, and it was the Miami Heat side out of bounds next to the scorer's table. On the TV screen on the on the far end, I don't know if you remember this, but about 40 seconds left, and the Heat struggled to get the ball in bounds. We almost got a steal. They had to throw it in the backcourt right at the five-second mark, and old man Thomas almost was able to pick it off away from LeBron James, who was heading way into his backcourt. Well, why is Thomas in, and why is not Joakim Noah? And I would argue if that's Joakim, he steals that ball, we get a bucket to win. It's a little thing, but yeah. why Noah not on defense and why is Thomas out there? Because uh, Joe Kim Noah had five fouls at the time. Coach. Who cares? There's 40 freaking seconds left in the in the NBA Finals game five. Think, Who cares? I, I understand. I don't. Five fouls. I, I don't think Thibodeau thought that exact situation was going to happen, Coach. And now he probably looks well, back and, and but. I'm not saying you should have anticipated a near steal, but you put your best defensive unit in. Five fouls is not. Was Luol Dang in uh, the last couple of minutes? Yeah, he was, Coach. He was. All right. So that, it was an interesting lineup. Taj, I mean, this is the Bulls season on the line. Ronnie Brewer. Ronnie Brewer, Taj, Rose, Kurt Thomas, and, and Dang was in? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Dang, Coach. <laughs> he was not on the floor very mm-hmm. much longer after the freaking elbow to the face. Yeah, how about your starting forwards on the bench the entire fourth quarter? What did you think of that? Dang wasn't playing? No, no, no. Wow, okay, starting forward. Boozer and Noah sitting the entire fourth quarter. Okay. Well, they didn't sit the whole fourth quarter. Mm, I think so. Close. I didn't really even realize it, Coach. To be honest with you, I thought uh, Joakim was on the floor. No. Nope. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. So Yeah. I thought it was an interesting uh, lineup situation. Uh, 888-463-6748. Fans out there, you want to... Talk as we uh, send a swan song to our Chicago Bulls. Of course, we got the NBA Finals coming up. It should be good heat against the uh, Mavericks, 888-463-6748. Big Dog, I will tell you this, and I want to send some kudos uh, the way of the Chicago Bulls. But even before that, uh, it was all five games. It was really, really good, entertaining, high-quality played NBA basketball. Even though the Bulls lost, I thoroughly enjoyed all five games. Okay, the Bulls won by 22 in the first game, right? Heat won by 10 in the second game. They won by three last night. That's a total of 15 or 13. They won by five in another game, which is 18. I'm pretty sure they lost game four by two points, right? Yep. So that's the best way for me to tell you is the Miami Heat won four out of five games over the Bulls, and the Bulls outscored them in the series. Okay. I mean, that's the Bulls fan. That's yeah. the type of series. Uh, anybody who watched the five games knows that you know the, the final might have been four to one, but the two teams were a lot more even than that. That's why I made the comment. It was it was good, real good quality NBA basketball. Very entertaining. 
And, and it just simply comes down to me. There's like you can definitely question choices with the basketball late in the game and and how they ran the offense and and obviously questionable lineup decisions. Coach, uh, definitely without without a doubt, it's there. You pointed out those situations. To me, it just comes down to the fact that you got to rush your players. And you, when obviously the first two games of the uh, uh, those first two losses of the series, the difference was the fact that. Your best player and your your other best players and, and Noah and Dang were thoroughly exhausted at the end. You got to figure out a way to get them rested up, so you have them on the when the when the game is being decided, have them on the court fresh, coach. Mm-hmm. I, that's that to me. That's the whole series right there. Yeah, that's one of the, the one of the criticisms that Tom Thibodeau will get. I'm not going to. I don't think in this last game it was quite as big a factor as you're making it out to be, but I know some people do feel that way and I, I do think it was a factor but uh, either way great basketball and I, I think big dog and we got a lot of other stories to get to when you when you look at the whole Chicago Bulls season we're probably not a team quite ready for that next step yet but what a year for the Chicago Bulls again a great team to watch a team with great chemistry they despite the Carlos Boozer dislike there at the end a team that uh, played the game the right way approached it the right way and just to Heck of a fun team. To, not the greatest team we've ever seen, but a heck of a team and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Tim Legler brought up a, a great point, and, and he said besides the heat, and he was talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, but this goes perfectly along with the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Besides the, the Miami Heat, which basically got two paid assassins and joined them up with Dwayne Wade, and then they filled in the roster with a bunch of nobodies, that, but a bunch of nobodies that are willing to do whatever it takes to get a ring. And then the the Celtics from a couple of years ago when basically Kevin McHale gave Danny Ainge, uh, Kevin Garnett, and a championship and a couple other players. It was one of the worst deals ever for one, one-sided deals. Besides them, most of the time in the NBA, we watch the progression of the team. You know what I mean? We watch the, the Bulls go from, yep. you know, like a dynamic score in Michael Jordan to finally getting past the Pistons as an entire team. Uh, like the, the story of the Pistons, the way they had to eventually get past the Celtics and there's usually you get to see a team grow up. You don't just throw teams together. So and then all of a sudden they're winning championships. That normally doesn't happen in the NBA. So mm-hmm. maybe Oklahoma City Thunder can stay together. Maybe the Bulls can stay together. And these teams are so young that we can see a progression, and we see these teams growing and getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I do think the Bulls have an extremely, uh, they have a big roster issue. What they're going to do with Carlos Boozer? They got four more years of this guy taking up a gigantic portion of their salary cap, and eventually they're going to have to pay Taj Gibson, Derrick Rose, Blue Wall Dang again. You know, these guys mm-hmm. are going to get big offers from other people, and in order to keep them, we're going to have to figure out how to get rid of yeah. Carlos Boozer's contract. It is depressing. When, when, when the financials <laughs> get in the way of building mm-hmm. up a team that is so likable, we saw it, uh, we could speak very firsthand of that, Big Dog, because we had a Chicago Blackhawk hockey team that one year ago was the toast of the town, and not because of managers' decisions or player decisions, but because of finances, because of the free agency, the way the financial structure they mm-hmm. had to change the roster. We took a very likable team, traded a third of the team away, and the Magic, you know, they were popular this year, but a lot of the Magic and the luster was gone. Hopefully that's not going to happen to the Bulls. I think at least through next year, this group of Bulls pretty Pretty much safe? No, yeah, they're going to be fine. Okay. They're not going to lose Taj Gibson for, this year, okay? For one more year. But Yeah, because yeah, then he's going to become a free agent, and okay. then you know someone's going to throw a boatload yeah. of money at Taj yeah. Gibson, yeah. okay? Two years down the road, that's when Ron Santos' hair hits the fan. 
So they have to figure out what to do because if they can get rid of Carlos Boozer, just say they can trade Carlos Boozer to somebody for not, a second round draft pick. Not going to happen. You don't think so? Well, if they're willing Maybe to take some of the salary. Because, like, uh, I, I remember looking at, I mean, if we could have traded Alfonso Soriano on opening day 2009, because mm-hmm. us as Cup fans, we knew. If they could have just admitted to themselves that that team was garbage in 2009, they could have got rid of Soriano. Now they still have to pay this dude for three and a half more years. They got four years left of Boozer, coach. They got to just figure oh, the whole offseason should be trying to figure out in house the way to get rid of the kid. Oh, those are those are not booze you're hearing, folks. Uh, wait a minute, maybe they are booze. They are booze. Oh lord, four uh, more years, uh, big dog. All right, so we can shoot for the year 2017 for turnaround time. Yeah, and and and, and obviously you know the way the cap works. If you're paying. The, the Miami Heat basically have three guys getting maximum deals. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you can fill out your contract and go over the cap, but you cannot pay anybody more than the mid-level exemption. Okay? So mm-hmm. it's not like you can only pay so much. It's not like hockey where you have to have a hard cap and you can't go above it, or football where you can't go above it. You can go above yours. But basically you can't go out and get free agents and you can't sign your players to the real money they deserve, so they go other places. If if the Heat had to do that after three Big boat contract. Think what will happen when they have to pay Derrick Rose, and that'll be next year after next season, oh, right? That's a problem. So that's already two full boat free agents, and one of them gives you nothing. One of them is a bad player. So the Bulls, this is really important, coach, to get this guy off the books. Otherwise, they will not continually. They won't be a, a dynasty mm-hmm. forever. It's going to be Derrick Rose and a bunch of stiffs sticking around just <laughs> and watching him as Taj Gibson goes to you know uh, to Los Angeles, yeah. and you know that's what's going to happen. Unless he's off of the off of the team, uh, we're gonna it's gonna be Derrick Rose versus the freaking world. <laughs> I love when the big dog getting all heated up here. I, uh, I'm picturing as you speak. I'm picturing maybe a couple of years down the road, like an all. You talked about how cool it is. Tim Legler said to watch you know teams develop and, and and become NBA champions. How cool would it be if we had like an NBA team where the guys, the key players, are all. From one city. I mean, Chicago kids that are now playing for the Chicago Bulls. A picture in uh, 2015, Big Dog. A veteran, a experienced Derrick Rose at the point guard. At the two spot, the young man who got criticized so eminently by Joel Rodwanski and so many others for jumping out of college to the University of Illinois. At the two spot, a mature and cerebral Jeremy Richmond. At the three spot, out of Simeon High School, who goes immediately from high school to college. Right now, he's the number one ranked sophomore in the country. Jabari Parker. At forward, from vocational high school, 42-year-old Juvon Howard comes out of retirement because he sees the young talent on the team, and I'm going to leave one non-Chicago starter. He can still give you good minutes, Coach. Well, I'm talking 2015. I know. Juwan Howard (laughs) would be able to give you good minutes. He put on the black socks, not because... (laughs) Not because, you know, he used to wear them with the Fab Fives, because he's an old man, and old men wear black socks. <laughs> with those shorts, right? Yes. Oh, yes. that'll be a good look. And, you know, I'd love to have a Chicago five to fit, uh, Chicago guy to finish that starting five, but the only center that could play with those four, Turkish Delight, Omar Ashik. That's my team in 2015. You know what? By the time 2015 <laughs> rolls around, yes. Uh, his, uh, the, the, the Turkish deli that uh, that a chick is gonna start is gonna yeah. basically make him a Chicagoan coach. Okay, seriously, okay. and he, and especially if he opens up a hot dog stand that, and that doesn't let you put any ketchup on the hot dog, he'll mm-hmm. become Chicagoan like overnight. There you go. There you go. Now that's a team you can root for. 
That's a team mm-hmm. you could root for. But but no, I, I do think uh, you know once we get over the frustration, the anger, the depression, whatever it is, disappointment from today's game, yeah. we're gonna have a lot uh, looking forward. There there won't be too many years when we've looked forward to a season more than we're gonna look forward to 2011-12 for Bulls fans. And obviously, you know, I'm already concentrating on it because I think this team could be a great team in the future, especially yep. with their coach. Because I think he's gonna learn. Uh, I, basically, the whole team is under contract next year except for C.J. Watson. So, I mean, this is a team that hopefully will remain hungry. That's why, Coach Jim, are you rooting? Because all I care about is what's best for the Chicago Bulls. I honestly, that's all I care less oh, care about. So I'm not rooting against the Heat or rooting for the Heat. What do you think helps the Bulls more? The, the Heat becoming champions, okay, and then maybe losing that desire to get championships? Or would you rather have them not get it, don't have the experience for it takes to be a champion, and then uh, have them angry all year long? What's better if the Heat win it or lose it for to make it the, the Bulls' trip to the finals easier next year? That's a great question. That's a great question. My initial instinct is you were in midstream, and, you know, I hate to stop you when you're in midstream. Um, my initial thought was absolutely you'd rather have them win it because uh-huh. psychologically they've got it. But then I started to think, you know, if they do lose to the Mavericks – LeBron, in particular, is still going to have that I-can't-win-the-big-one psyche, a little bit of that psychological. That's a great question. Okay. Overall, I would say I'd rather have him win it, but but I have some doubts. Yeah, and, and there's also something, because I'm really not a, a hater or a heater or whatever the heck they're calling those people. I really don't don't wish anything bad upon those guys or anything like that. They, LeBron James made himself look like a douchebag, and now he has to pay for it. But then again, he also has a chance to win the NBA Finals uh, starting well, they they start at what next month, Coach? I believe. I'm not talking about May to June. I'm talking July is when they start. Yeah, thing, I believe right? they're going to take about a week off, and uh, the July Fourth fireworks show should be around Game Four, of the NBA Finals. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Speaking gonna, of which, I'm by gonna... the way, before we move to some other stories, quick, we'll break it down next week again, folks. You want to chime in here? We're going to get to some other sports, but NBA talk as per always. Here on the Two Guys in a Mic Show, 888-463-6748. Dial it up, we'll get you right on. Big Dog, quick preview, Mavs and Heat. We'll break it down next week, but an overall thought from NBA expert Joel Big Dog Redwanski. Overall thought? Overall thought. What a great season it was for the Chicago Bulls. People. Come on now, give me a little bit. Uh, what Overall thought? I'm, I'm sorry. On, on, on the Mavericks oh. versus the Heat. Again, we'll break it down next week, but just as you look – to the seven-game struggle that is the NBA championship, you got any uh, inclinations early on the series? I, I will say this is might be one of the best defensive finals that you're ever going to watch with Rick Carlisle uh, going up against uh, Eric Spolstra. Honestly, Coach, the the Mavs play tenacious defense, and uh, a former Chicago Bull that is a great help side defender, great rebounder, great dunker in the open court, Tyson Chandler, really allows Dirk Nowitzki to to concentrate on hitting 20-foot jump shots time after I mean, you know, and When you hit 55% from the field and you're a, a power forward, you know that, that's good. But normally those guys are making layups. They're not making 20-foot jump shot after 20-foot jump shot. Coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, the Heat have their hands full, and quite honestly, the Mavericks are better than the Bulls. So the, this is going to be a, a really, really good, good series. Jason Kidd, Jason Terry, Sean Marion, a lot of weapons, maybe a few more scoring weapons for the Dallas Mavericks. So, uh yeah, I agree with you. Fun to watch. If I had, you know, my yeah, life. I forgot to... the Sean Marion. That's a coach. That guy is one of the best defenders, open court slashers. I mean, 
He's an underrated mm-hmm. piece. Uh, if you have an athletic team that wants to defend and run, you get Sean Marion, you put him at the three, and you're in good shape. He's Lou Aldang, which is a compliment. He doesn't shoot as well as Lou Aldang does. But you know what? He he can dribble with the handle the ball a lot better than Lou Aldang can mm-hmm. offensively. Otherwise, you're they're not the same player. Coach. All right. 888-463-6748. You only give us one hour to do the sports talk show. want to get to some baseball news, but real quick, big dog. Over the weekend, we got the uh, continuing of the French Open. I don't know if you have any thoughts out at Roland Burris Stadium in beautiful Paris, France, but uh, the big story is Novak Djokovic. I don't know if you've been following this guy. He's won 39 consecutive matches. He's been in, what, seven tournaments since yeah, the start of the it, year? It's, it's, it's phenomenal. The, the record is, what, like 45? So if he, in order to get that record, he's pretty much going to have to win in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then you know, then win uh, some other tournament. So. Mm-hmm. Kim Clijsters yeah, uh, got knocked off yesterday. I know you had Kim Clijsters in the office pool, so that's a little disappointing. It, de- it definitely was, and I wanted Agnieszka Radwanska, but nobody can let me have her. Oh yeah, even if yeah. she doesn't win, you, you would have picked her in the office pool. Yes, I just wanted to have her. <laughs> I love Rafael Nadal, by the way. He is, uh, I guess, almost lost his first match. Barely won his second match. <laughs> Here's one of the great sports quotes of all time. You ready for this, Big Dog? What is it? From Rafael Nadal. I am not playing that well. I am going to try playing much better next time. <laughs> Direct quote from Rafael Nadal. Thank you, Rafael. Coach, that is a great quote. <laughs> I have some great quotes for you later on in the show if you want to hear the, the off-the-sports stuff that I have for that I brought up yesterday on the show that we never got to. I'm a big fan. Let's let's move along quickly so we can get to that, please. Uh, okay. we got we got to throw a quick note out again. It's like, uh, you know, it's like with ridiculous regularity at this time of year, but uh, the women's lacrosse championships are being played this weekend in our Northwest local team. Northwestern University, so frustrated in so many different sports, but their women's lacrosse team, again, in the semifinals. Big Dog, good luck as they play at North Carolina today, I believe. One of the finest programs in all the college sports yep. is uh, Northwestern's women. It's incredible. Program. You know what? As a nonprofit sports coach, Northwestern gets it done. Forget men's basketball, forget football. Yep. But when you're talking men's rowing, when you're talking about girls curling, mm-hmm. when you talk about women's field hockey, you go to Northwestern, coach. Kelly Amante Hiller might be one of the best coaches in the country, whatever sport it is. By the way, she gives good interview. Oh yeah, we've had her on. Uh, we need to get her back on. Matter of yeah. fact, let's get her on today. I think she might be busy. Okay, well, might be busy. Semifinals coach. Real quick, moving right along. Game seven. I haven't watched one bit. I'm embarrassed. Well, part embarrassed, part just throw some. Uh, Straight out honesty, yet you haven't watched one bit of NHL hockey in the last probably two weeks, but it's a game seven tonight, big dog. I already got it taped on versus seven o'clock tonight. Boston and Tampa Bay. I will be viewing third period game seven. I already have it in my phone, and exactly eight fifteen tonight. Wow. I have uh, an alarm going off, and I, when Look I hear that. that alarm, I'm going to be reminded. Oh yeah, the hockey game's on. Look at that, the big dog and the coach were thinking alike, dog. Yep. Not so. sure that's a good thing for you or me, but we are thinking alike. And I figure around 8.15 is going to be the, the start of the third, is what I'm assuming. Well, it starts at 7. See, I t- started taping at about 8.45. Okay. So it'll be right in the middle of the second. That's good enough. Yeah. That's good enough. Yeah, okay. I don't want to watch too much of it. Let's not get carried away. Yeah, Indy, no Indy 500 coming up Sunday, big dog. Uh, 200 laps, at least for those uh, motors and engines and racers that can make it through the 100th anniversary. There's no clear-cut favorite this year. Going to be exciting to watch, but it is a special 100th anniversary of the Indy 500. Any hints on who might uh, come through with a win? Um, does Helio Castri and Neves still drive? I believe he does. Oh, he's my prediction. 
Thank you for that outstanding analysis. Okay, I, I, I try to do the best I can, Coach. <laughs> can we quote you on that on our Facebook page? Oh, please. Thank you very much. You're not, uh, you didn't wake up this morning feeling a little bit of Ryan Briscoe. Who is that? Oh, I've heard of that guy's name before. I've heard of him. <laughs> I like Kyle Bush, by the way. I read earlier this week. You like Kyle Bush? I no, said, no, 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 no. I've I didn't... said it many times on this show. Yes. Kyle Bush is a douche. Well, I'm going to add to the D factor a little bit for you. Earlier, when I say I like, I like the story, it was kind of funny. Apparently, he got a ticket in a small town in North Carolina last week or the week before. 45-mile-an-hour zone. He was going 128 miles an hour. 128 <laughs> miles an hour, people. Yeah. So, I, I, I really find that ridiculous. I know he thinks he's Superman and all that stuff behind the wheel. I know there's a guy who rides a bike. You know how easily you can kill somebody at 128 yep. miles an hour? Yeah. What would you rather find out that you're that you're one of your kids did, Coach? Would you rather have them find out that they smoked a joint one of their friends or drove a car at 128 miles an hour? Smoked a joint. Yeah, there you go. That's that's. I mean, people die when you drive 128 miles an hour. It's not funny, you know. And, and and I'm I'm glad like the the Gibbs Racing Team is taking this extreme. At least they're portraying it like mm-hmm. they're taking it extremely serious. Who knows if they really are? They could be just. He could just be behind the. The scenes being like, don't do that again. You look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Who knows if that's all he said to him? But publicly, they were like, we're taking this matter extremely, you know, like this better never happen again and all this other stuff. Good. As well as should. New female eraser, not just Danica Patrick, but uh, we're going to welcome in Simona De Silvestra, another female racing in the Indy 500. Big Dog, have you done any, any research on Simona De Silvestra? Plenty. And if anybody <laughs> wants to know more about her, depending on what type of information you want, yeah. go to Ramona D. Semestra, either go .org, .net, or a .com. <laughs> so you figure out which, what, what your needs are, and you'll know which one to go to. <laughs> uh, thank you, I think, for that uh, brilliant analysis. Okay. Hey, uh, speak, you mentioned deaths, and, um, and you're absolutely right by driving too fast. Speaking of deaths, I did mean to bring it up yesterday. Uh, we had Harmon Killebrew, a baseball great, pass away about a week ago. Yesterday, two days ago, I think it was. 64-year-old, great, great pitcher. Not quite Hall of Famer, but deserves mentioning big dog. Uh, Paul Splittorf, long time, long time Kansas City Royal. Just a great baseball pitcher. Uh, passed away at the age of 64. I think he had oral cancer, tongue cancer. Well, I thought well, I thought it was melanoma. Could have been. So, well, either or, though, but you're right. Huh? He... Uh... Right when I started getting into baseball, early '80s, you know, he was coming down there like to the end of his career. But he was always known as, you know, like he was a gigantic guy that didn't throw very hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he like uh, he was a pitcher. Know, he pitched well. Yeah, he, he, he was a well. he was a pure pitcher, mm-hmm. not a thrower, but a pitcher. And uh, and I like still have an affinity for guys like Killebrew and Splitter, who uh, you know played all their careers for one team. Yeah, which is cool. And yeah. then they come back and they. They stay involved in the community that they weren't from, but uh, adopted because, uh, you know, if you're a fan, like, no matter where I went, it's coach, if I played one, like, if I played for the San Diego Padres, mm-hmm. I would probably end up in San Diego the rest of my life. So, yeah, there are a lot worse places. A lot worse yeah. places to end up than San Diego. You could be uh, sitting in a retirement home with Nate Colbert and Tony Gwynn Sr. Yeah, I, I just think, uh, really, Nate Colbert, huh? Yeah. Heck yeah. I got to tell you something. I, I'm. Whenever, even if it's an afro, if I see a man with long hair, considering my condition, I it, I really get jealous. Was he white or black, Nate Colbert? I was never quite sure. Uh, Nate Colbert definitely African American. 
Mm. He holds one of the coolest records in all the sports. Too. Well, not all, well, all the baseball. Five home runs in one day. Wow. A record that he holds with Stan Musial. I do not most remember that. Doubleheader? Yeah, doubleheader. Most yeah. ever hit in one in one day. Is by right. Well, how about uh, unusual. I remember Adolfo Phillips for the Chicago Cubs. I thought he had five in one day. Maybe it was four. In a doubleheader, I think that's probably what it is, because I know the only two ever with okay. five in a doubleheader are, are Musial and Colbert. Okay. All right. Uh, you're sure Augie Ojeda was not in that category? Oh, I might have forgot about him, Coach. Okay. All right. Uh, overall, though, despite the passing of uh, Killebrew and Splittorf, as far as famous people passing away, the month of May has been kind of slow for obituaries, Big Dog. Things have, you know, our obituary of the day segment, we have not been able to go with. It's been a, it's well, not been not a good month overall for obituaries. I meant to, I meant Very to bring this up yesterday, Uh-oh. and I had the name of this woman yesterday, but I guess the name really isn't all that important, but the story is true. A copper heiress, woman that was 104 years old, died, yes. died recently. Yep. And she hadn't left her apartment in like 35 years, Coach. Even though she owned like five other homes. Yes. And these homes are like, uh, are like Central Park West and Fifth Avenue. It was like the intersection. Yep. I wonder, I mean, so these homes are like 50 million, 100 million dollars a piece. She, from what I heard, she basically lived in a hospital for the last 20 years of her life. Yes, basically, yes. And she had like a full time nurse and, mm-hmm. and, uh, around her and then doctors uh, taking care of all the time. Mm-hmm. She basically only talked to two people and that was her accountant and her lawyer. And I so, think she was on uh, one of the singles Facebook pages. Occasionally a visitor would come by. But beyond that, very little communication with the outside world. Yeah, very, very, very little. So that that was an extremely strange story because she's worth about half a billion dollars or more than half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to figure out who's going to get the money. Yeah, and, and they're also... in here being like, we're going to determine where the money goes. No, well, who is the government to come in and tell people where the money's going to go to? If the person was worth 50000 they wouldn't have anything to do with it. But they're worth... Half a billion, and all of a sudden they're talking about, well, we we might have to come in here and figure this out. No, you don't. That's the stuff like that bothers me, Coach. It really uh, does. They are investigating one of the lawyers that's been handling the money and making sure that uh, some of the fees he's been charging, some of the there was some controversy with the lawyer. I know who's been in charge of some of her money, so that okay, might if, be. If that's all that they're doing, that's fine. Yeah. But if they're coming in and they're talking, about, we're going to take, we're going to arrest control of the money because mm-hmm. we don't think it. We think there's some. No, no, you don't go. You don't go about it that way. Mm-hmm. Just go about saying we're going to investigate to see if everything's on the up and up. That's fine. Okay. Don't you know? I believe Barack Obama said now that she has actually passed away, they're going to step up the offensive in Afghanistan. All of a sudden, our military budget's going to go up a little bit. Guys, I, I can understand <laughs> that type of cash. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so another great story from the weekend, Coach. Now, this Uh-oh. is where the great quote comes from. Now, you do know that the rapture was supposed to happen this this past Saturday, right? We uh, talked about it. Uh, not endlessly, but we definitely brought it up and discussed it uh, in quite frankness on Friday, last Friday's show. Okay, so, yeah, we thought, like this guy was predicting the end of the world, yes. blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, it ends up happening that last Saturday that the world didn't end. All the non-believers of Jesus didn't end up just perishing and being burnt up in a in a, a, a fireball. Cubs did, the Cubs did lose a four-run lead that day, though. That, that's of no surprise, though. Okay. And, uh, and then the followers of Jesus weren't... Uh, like rose up and and brought into heaven and and saved. No. Um, and you know what the funny thing is, this guy has some quotes and he's like, oh, oh, I I used the wrong math. That's yeah. why I got the day wrong. He's okay. already got a new date. He's already got a new date. But here's the quotes from <laughs> some other people. Okay, one guy said that this is what one guy said. I'm really disappointed that the world did not end. That that's the quote. 
from one of these people. Another guy's quote, I spent $140,000 taking my family to the Grand Canyon and different vacations this past year. I really <laughs> wish the world did end. And then I'm looking at these, there's quote after quote. These people are—they were upset that the world didn't end. <laughs> so, that's the whole thing, and everybody was truly disappointed. And they're, they're like, "I can't believe that uh, this guy didn't get the exact date right." And now he's come out with another date, and people are like, "Oh, okay, now we believe you. You just had the date wrong." Used all of his vacation time at work, spent a lot of the uh, retirement money, you know, and a lot, it, all of it. <laughs> come on, man! If you're gonna tell me the world's end, damn. A uh, hundred and forty thousand dollars in credit card debt. How do you? How can you do that? How does the how would a credit card company allow you to do something like mm-hmm. that? Well, that's how... I got like 5000 and I feel horrible about it. So Yeah, I hate to say it, but many of these uh, people, we've seen it over the ages. What was the famous, the, the Jim Jones one, where however many oh, people yeah. committed to it. But, but a lot of these leaders, and I use that term in the very loosest possible sense of the word, but they basically capitalize on the, I hate to say it, but the non-intelligence of the people that are following them. Yeah, well, how does somebody that can that is smart enough to figure out a way to get $140,000 in credit card debt, because you got to be kind of smart to be even grow that much debt, how could somebody be stupid enough to actually believe that this is true, that it's really working? That That's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. When is just to, just to be on the safe side so I can mark, I keep my calendars like four or five years in advance, do we have the new date of when the world uh, may end because of a mis- mathematical miscalculation? I, don't, I really don't care what that guy has to say about it. Okay. That I don't really think he. That's the one date that you're gonna to have to worry about. There's right. other ones that I have to admit have have a little bit of legitimacy in them. And there's also some of them that I'm just really not sure what's gonna happen. But I know mm-hmm. something big's gonna happen on those dates. So yeah. December 21st of 2012, people are saying that's the end of the world in the Mayan calendar and all that. I really don't think that it's gonna okay. be catastrophic. But I do think something really major will happen that really? day because that is the day that the the Earth. I mean, I, isn't it just Amazing that these people made this stuff thousands and thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. but they knew the exact day that the Earth was going to be in galactic alignment with the sun in the center of our galaxy. So it's a black hole. There's radiation from a black hole. I, I really don't know what's going to happen, Coach, but I really do believe something like unbelievable is going to happen on that day. That's a little scary. So the... the uh... Specific prediction of the Mayan calendar, which we've heard so much about, is the final day in December of 2012. No, December 21st. December uh, 21st is winter solstice. Okay. So it's the shortest day of the year, and it just so happens that we are every single 26,000 years, mm-hmm. the Earth and the Sun on winter solstice is perfectly in line with the, the center of the galaxy. Okay. Okay. And every 13,000 years on winter, on summer solstice, it's aligned with the center of the galaxy, but we, it's, you, you don't see the center of the galaxy. It's aligned in a different way. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's, it's kind of strange how basically it's just how often the, that our galaxy rotates, Coach, and wobbles. So we're going to actually be able to see the center of our universe or the center of our galaxy. And okay. there's radiation in our uh, solar system from exactly 26,000 years ago that's from the center of our, our galaxy. We really don't know what happens when it's in full blast. It's impressive. Impressive so, knowledge from the big. I'm already looking forward to this is not this year, but next year. I'm already looking to the December yeah. programming of the TalkZone.com. Two guys in a mic show in December 2012. I got a feeling if we're still on the air, big dog, and the odds are we won't, but God forbid we actually are. We'll have some quality programming two weeks before the end of the world. 
I I would definitely. Hopefully by then I can afford to feed. I can afford to feed myself. Yeah, maybe you can you know yeah. drive in and come into one of the shows so people can see you before the world ends. I do want to be on Easter Island though on the day that that happens. I've, I've talked about it before. I want to be on Easter Island on December twenty first. Where is Easter Island? It's uh, in the southern hemisphere. Okay. And it's about five hundred miles off the coast of Chile. Okay. Not, not Chile, but Chile. Yeah, you know, yeah. Only when I'm trying to sound smart. <laughs> and why? Why do you want to be in the southern hemisphere come uh, December twenty one, two thousand twelve? Well. Uh, not, well, just supposedly, and this is some beautiful, beautiful stuff. There, well, not supposedly. There is definitely this uh, megalithic structure that yes. is that uh, that is built facing the exact spot of where the sun in the center of the universe can be seen perfectly on Easter Island. And this was built like this. This, this megalithic structure was built like a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows how it got here. No, has no one has any idea. Yet there's a, and it's a gigantic tiger or like a like a lion looking out over the edge exactly in the direction where the sun and the sun of the universe, universe is going to be in galactic alignment on That's December first. Cool. I like that. I like so, that. Are I they, mean, uh, this is a major. These people built this gigantic, massive thing in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. So there, there, something big has to be happening on that day, Coach. See, I, I, I don't know. Uh, we, maybe you've got a year and a half to work on it. I don't know if they're wired for technology there, but based on what you told me, I wouldn't mind going down with you. Is there any chance we bring producer David Olson, maybe general manager Chris Whitting, and do our final remotes from the Easter Island? Easter or Easter? Easter. Easter Island and uh, do our final couple of talk zone shows from that f- particular southern hemisphere. Coach, don't, don't tease me because that is a dream of mine to actually go do. I, there's, if there's anywhere in the world I'd want to be is there on December 21st. I think it'd be cool. We need to be on air. Is there a specific time that that will be occurring? I have no – that okay. I don't know. Oh, no, they, there is a specific time. There is a specific time right. when everything is directly, perfectly in line. Okay. And and, and well, the, moon, the moon is going to be in the picture that day. You'll be able to see the moon. Okay. Whatever time that is, I want to have enough notice where we can bump the regularly scheduled show. You know, if it's like a financial show or some health show dealing with the uh, painful structures of constipation or something like that. I want to make sure we can disrupt that show and we can be on the air live, bringing you the potential uh, end of the world via the Mayan calendar. Uh, now, here's the only problem, because we're going to do this, Coach. I want to remind you of this. Yes. Okay. We're going to have to fly down to Chile, and we're going to okay. have to take a Chile. Chile, my fault. That's right. I was I was just trying to be practical at that moment. And and we're gonna have to t- like hire out some boat, okay. some guy, and the guy's most likely gonna speak Spanish, so you're gonna have to learn how to speak Spanish within the next year and a half. Got a, got a year and a half to work on it. And they're gonna have to take us by boat over the Easter Island. And the thing is, is there's it's so rough and so bad at that time of year. We're gonna have to go there about five months earlier mm-hmm. if we don't get like a, <laughs> a helicopter to land us on the place. It's gonna take us five months to get to the remote location. Yeah, easily because oh during the like we can't go there on like December like 18th and you know and then set up camp because the water around it is so rough. There's no place to land the boat. That's so a problem. Only, we can only like only like two months a year is the water good enough ah. where you can actually have a boat go up in there and get off the boat onto the island. I was all excited about doing our final remote there, but the fact it's going to take us five months to get there that's that's a bit of a. Uh... That's well, a no, bit no, of an obstacle. Five months to get, it'll take us about three days to get there. Oh. The problem is we're going to have to get there five months early. Oh. So we're going to have to be camped <laughs> out for five months. Yeah. Things could be worse. Big dog, you and me on a deserted island, uh, things could be worse, but I guess not much. Well, as long as we had the Internet, we'd be okay, wouldn't we? 
Probably. You do the show every day? Probably. I so would think so, update. as long as we can keep up with the, uh, you know, Chicago Bulls, the NBA Finals, the... Uh, well, where about then, December 21st, oh, that's right. All uh, the bowl Western games. will be losing the Alamo yes. Bowl to Texas Tech, yes. 84 to 70. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe right before the world comes to an end, Northwestern will win a bowl game. Be a nice touch. I mean, that, well, that's, that's actually a really good idea. If the good Lord has any sense of timing or any uh, athletic sympathy at all, it'd be a nice touch. Because, you know, we, we at that point, we will not know if Northwestern has finally made an NCAA uh, March Madness tournament, but at least a college football bowl game. I could at least uh, head to the end of my career, Big Dog, knowing that at least one of my goals have been met. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, real quick, uh, you, any more quotes, Big Dog? Any more stories off the sports page before uh, we get yeah, to so, there, There's plenty, Coach, but the, those those two, the two I definitely wanted to talk about, that, this rapture stuff it cracks me up, and all these people who think the world is, yep. is going to end that don't have any idea about what the predictions well, actually mean and say, crack me up. And so. what's so humorous about it is they, they were disappointed when it didn't happen. Yo, that's hilarious, Coach. <laughs> All right, real quick in baseball, White Sox knock off Toronto 3-1. to one. Sox are playing good baseball, big dog. Phil Umber, quietly, quietly one of the better Chicago baseball stories this year. He throws seven in a third inning, gives up just one run, and the White Sox have won uh, 13 of their last 19. Not bad. You know, a lot of times, People don't like to jump on board of a, of a guy that's having success that you didn't expect because you didn't expect it and you just assume it's going to end, right, because you don't know anything about this guy. Well, just to reassure Sox fans to let you know this success is going to continue and you guys, you guys have yourself a stud pitcher and you don't want to take him out of the rotation even though you have six in there, is the fact that he was a first-round draft pick by the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. And they just released him and got rid of him. So you know if he was a Met and they didn't want him, he's got to be good. So you got to keep this kid is going to end up having a great career. That, that's he was a number one pick coach. He was like the tenth overall player chosen uh, like five or six years back, and the Mets just gave up on him. And the next, so he's got number one talent. All of a sudden now he might have a fire under his butt, being like, you know, maybe I really need to work and get this done because in Major League Baseball they cut you. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll get rid of you. So yeah. he's uh, been he's been uh, consistently solid right from the get go this year, and really kind of came in with. Uh, you know, most of the whites, most of the uh, mid-range fans didn't even know who the guy was. He was basically filling in for Jake Peavy, but he's definitely made a statement. And the White Sox trying to come back from that horrible start, big dog. And I, I said about a month ago, three weeks ago, that you know it'd be nice if he went like twenty and two, some ridiculous run. But the key is for the White Sox to just consistently start winning series and playing good baseball. And over the last three weeks, they've done that. Thirteen of their last nineteen. It's not phenomenal, but they're working their way back. If they win 13 out of their next 19, they'll be above 500. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 13 and 6 is that's a good ratio. That's more than 2 to 1. So they definitely want to continue on that pace. And I think they finally will when uh, when Grand Canyon starts hitting. I saw something yesterday, Coach, what, you know, preparing for the preparing for the Swing bowl game. And a miss. I throw the White Sox game on. I, I try to watch as much baseball as possible. Yep. And they throw a stat up there. Uh, Adam Dunn, so far this season, season 32 at-bats versus a lefty. Zero hits. Yep. Okay, maybe he has 63 strikeouts on the season. Coach, did you just hear what I just said? 63 strikeouts. He only has 19 RBIs. Okay, it's not even June, and he's got 45 more Strikeouts than RBIs. Struck out four times yesterday. I think oh, so the day before. 
It's more than 63 now because that was at the beginning of the game when it was when it was his first at bat. And Steve Stone was like, you know, he's got 63 strikeouts this year. And you know, you figured after three, four weeks, he looked like he was trying to starting to come out of it. But I mean, you talk about an extended period of, of absolute frustration, and uh, you know, even a ground ball or a fly ball. But yeah, the strikeouts just kill you. Adam Dunn has been thus far, anyways. Hopefully, he can come out of. He's been a disaster thus far. Yeah, uh, and he's, it's one of the biggest reasons that the, the White Sox have struggled is we talked about like, you know, first and third with one out, uh, they hit in a double place all the time and, you know, runner at third and Adam Dunn is up. I mean, just pass the baton. Just, just give him the out and sit down. Mm-hmm. Just right. swing at three pitches and, and run the first base. Hopefully there's a drop third strike. And if you're manager Ozzy, do you, do you give up on him? Do you go part time or do you stick with him because eventually it's going to catch up? I don't know. Tough call at this point. Well, here's the one thing that I don't think people have considered. Uh, I have to admit, I did hear this on, on uh, MLB Network yesterday, so this really isn't my own thought. But maybe it's the, the fact that he's not used to being a DH. Yep. What do you yeah, do I mean, about that? Yeah, I mean, maybe you, you can't take Canerco out of the lineup. Oh, you definitely can't take Canerco out of the lineup. You don't and want to weaken your outfield defense. Yeah, what are you going to do? Put Adam Dunn at first base instead of Canerco? Yeah. By the and way, he's a, as, as a position player, I think he's two for 12. So the little bit they put him out in the field, that hasn't helped yet. Okay. Okay. So, you know, maybe it's not an issue. We just want to throw that out there because I, I will admit, you take a position player who's played their whole career and then all, all of a sudden basically say, hey, you're going to sit in the dugout and swing four times. I, you know, wah, wah, cry, baby. I, you know, I understand the feelings of, of people like us that, are looking at somebody get that got, that got an eighteen million dollar year contract, being like you know just figure it out and deal with it. But you know I mean these guys are great athletes that are used to a routine, so mm-hmm. the the excuse needs to be over. But I can understand ha- struggling a little bit getting used to it, just swinging four times and going to sit down the whole entire game. All right, Sox will finish out the weekend series with Toronto Cubs. Meanwhile, uh, after a little mini series with the New York Mets, they win yesterday nine to three. Nice victory. 17 hits, including the hottest bat on both sides of town, Big Dog, and it belongs to a pitcher, Carlos Zambrano. Got a pinch hit hit two days ago. Yesterday as a pitcher, pretty good pitcher, by the way. Three more hits to the Cubs. Pounded the Mets led by Carlos Zambrano. Yeah, 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 Carlos having a a pretty decent season. He's had some ups and downs. He's been hit hard twice, really hard in games this year. But he's uh, he's been pretty steady. And I guess the best thing I can say about Carlos Zambrano is when people have misplayed balls behind him, he yeah. hasn't imploded this year. Much and, better you know, that, attitude. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty sad that we'd have to bring that up about a guy who gets paid eighteen million a season. I, you know but, what? I like. True. I still like Zambrano. I think he's fun to watch, and I think he's good at the heart. Uh, here's here's what frustrates me about him, though, and I'll just sum it up. Even though this isn't exact, but what frustrates me with him: one hundred and twenty-two pitches, five and two-thirds innings. Yeah, that's crazy. Jeez, you know, I mean, what, that's a consistent like. Gee, why does it take him so many pitches to get through barely six innings? And, it, and I know he's got a lot of movement on his ball, but why doesn't he just throw it down the middle and let that thing dance around? It'll end up on the edge by the time it gets to the hitter. I swear he always is trying to hit the corner, and it either ends up right down the heart of the plate or way off the plate. I think he could just throw it right down the middle and let that ball dance. It'll hit the edge of the plate, and he'll get strikes, and he'll mm-hmm. get – he should pitch the contact is what I'm getting at. He should not be afraid – uh, I think he just wants to blow people away constantly. And if he just ended up being Greg Maddox, when Greg Maddox was around, it was the key for Carlos Zambrano. That was when he was at his best. Mm-hmm. He didn't blow up. He didn't act like a kid. He pitched to contact. 
you know, the Cubs get rid of Greg Maddox again. Because he sat next to Greg Maddox between every start, and Greg Maddox just talked baseball with him. I think that's like a, a huge thing. We really need somebody that Zambrano can relate to in the pitching. Yeah, speaking of which, if we do end up going to the Easter Islands for the uh, demise of the world those final couple of weeks. Coach, it's not the demise. The end of the world, whatever it is. You, me, and I'd like to bring Greg Maddox along if we could. Well, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go, I, I would. And if we can, can we bring Tony Gwynn too? Yeah, I wouldn't mind a Tony Gwynn for a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as long as we got great Greg Maddox, the great pitching expert, we might as well have a little hitting expertise as well. And uh, can uh, Michelle Kwan and, and Jack Johnson go also, Coach? I think Michelle Kwan would be nothing but trouble for you, Big Dog. Yep, I think I think you'd have a hard time keeping on the. Uh, the track of business, if you will. Hey, real quick, real quick, we got to mention Tony Campano, the five foot six inch rookie the Cubs brought up. They put him in the starting lineup yesterday. He gets three base hits. The Cubs kind of have a tradition for this, don't they? Some unknown little guy that comes up and provides, at least for a brief moment in time, a spark. But he's been fun to watch. Coach, that's funny that you said that because when you brought up Augie Ojeda earlier, but uh, the Sam Folds, the Doug DeCenzos, yep. uh, there's been a lot of these guys. Uh, and I, I love the kids so far because I love kids that, that can bring speed and defense and base running, you know, to a team because those little things help you win. But straighten your hat up, Tony. This is not – you're not a hoodwink, okay? Put your hat on straight when you're in Major League Baseball. That was driving me crazy because I absolutely love the kid. I love the style. I love his play. And he's sitting there with his freaking hat on crooked. <laughs> I was like, why don't you just drop your pants down halfway down your butt? Yeah, and that make it a little bit, a little bit nicer, okay? And untuck your shirt. And the players addressed that uh, with him. Oh, did they? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they told him to put his head on straight. All right, dog. We got to wrap this puppy up. Uh, tell the fans um, a goodbye for the Memorial Day weekend, my friend. Hopefully not permanent, but tell the fans goodbye for the Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully not permanent. Thank you very much. Everybody out there, have a great weekend. We much, much appreciate your uh, joining us on today's show. We'll be back Tuesday at 10 o'clock. We'll be off the air on Monday for the Big Dog. For the coach, have a phenomenal weekend. David Olson, our producer, great job. TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic signing off. We'll see you Tuesday at 10. Don't be late.